Well, that was a bit of a stinker, wasn't it, Barker? Yeah, it's not the best of games to watch, but you live to fight another day, Jeff. Absolutely. That's the best thing about baseball is you get to do it all over again. It is Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker. The numbers, 416-870-0590, star 590, 590 The Red Sox walking away with a 7-1 win in the third game of this four-game series. The final game goes tomorrow afternoon. It is a 3:07 first pitch. And it is a good one. It'll be Garrett Whitlock, who we're going to be talking about in the American League East for the next 10 years as a factor, and Alec Manoa, who we're already talking about as being a factor in the American League East. Kevin, not a whole hell of a lot to unpack tonight, I don't think, but I want to ask the callers about the Jays' issues with runners in scoring position. Now, let's put this in context. We know that offense is down across Major League Baseball. We know about the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Jays tonight were 0, and 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. As good as they have been this year, as much as they have been winning, and they have been winning this year, they went into the night with the third worst batting average with runners in scoring position in the majors, 187. Only Baltimore and the godforsaken Arizona Diamondbacks I should say the godforsaken Baltimore Orioles and Arizona Diamondbacks are worse than them. So the question to you tonight, is this just Teoscar's absence? Is this just it's early? Is this just they face some pretty good pitching? Now, Kevin, I want to ask you about that last part in particular tonight. Look, this series so far, they saw Nate Givaldi. They've seen Nick Pavetta. Here comes Michael Walker, and that's a change, and I do mean that, that pun intended. Michael Walker comes in. He handcuffs them. Is that how much of what we saw tonight, before we deal with the runners in scoring petition, runners in scoring position in particular, how much of what we saw tonight was just Michael Walker was really, really good and does what Michael Walker usually does? A lot of it, uh, a lot of he's mixing around the, the fastball. He's throwing enough change-ups. He's got a really good arm speed on that. You could tell the Blue Jays are having a real tough time of zoning up and, and taking what the pitcher gives. And and what I mean by that is use the entire field. Don't be afraid to shorten up a little bit. Alexander Bogarts is leading baseball in hits for one reason. He like he doesn't care to choke up a little. No, no, you know, he's not really choking up, but the process is a, a you know, a middle-of-the-order back guy who is not afraid to let the ball travel and hit a little dinker to right field. And for whatever reason, the Blue Jays hitters just don't want to buy into that right now. And and that, for me, is sometimes I think you got to question the game plan when they go up there. They're late on fastballs. I get it. You've been facing good pitching. Uh, I get it that they throw a lot of secondary pitches early in the year. But for me, good hitters, good lineups are rarely late on fastballs. If they are, they are very quick about making that adjustment. Like, you know, you, you can't throw it as fast as a Ferrari can run, can drive it. And that, for me, right now is just not what they're doing. They're, they're late on a bunch of fastballs, which is just not typical of the Blue Jays lineup. That has nothing to do with the Oscar Hernandez not being a lineup. That, that for me, has to do with just the approaches and, and – buying into shortening up and trying to use the whole field. And, you know, until they actually start doing that to a man, I think you're going to see some peaks and valleys. 
Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it can be frustrating at nights like this because we have seen them do that. We've talked about Bo Bichette going the opposite way. We've talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going the opposite way. We've talked about that, uh, you know, a lot. Guys like Santiago Espinal, they've all been doing that. But uh, tonight there was just there. Tonight there was nothing going on. I mean, that that is really the only way, the only way to put it. The numbers are four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight. Triple six zero five ninety. It is Blue Jays talk. Your opportunity to talk about tonight's game, to talk about the Jays with myself and Kevin Barker. We're on the air till eleven o'clock. Get, I, I, I can't say get those get those fingers dialing. Get it dialing. Nobody dials anymore. Push them buttons. I guess would be the best way to put it. Trent Thornton didn't have it tonight, did he, Kevin? I, yeah, well, that's the th- one thing you could question about. You know, we talk about uh, Petey and Charlie been making all the right moves. Uh, this is one of those times where I think they were trying to sneak Trent Thornton through to get him through two innings. You know, bringing him in to face three, four, five in a tie game one-to-one after your starter gave you what the starter gave you is, you know, questionable. But, again, this gets back to who's available, uh, what they're trying to do. I know the bullpen's been pitched a lot. You know, do you bring Trevor Richards in the sixth inning and maybe you flip-flop those and try and bring Thornton in the seventh inning so at least Richards facing the 3-4-5 the and Trent Thornton's not? That might have been one of the things you could probably pick at if you really wanted to get after Charlie and Petey. But bottom line for me anyway they're trying to sneak him through two innings two inning guy and if you're going to be on the team sooner or later you got to pitch to the big boys and for him to tonight normally up until tonight he'd had the good breaking ball he had had the nice little slider that he'd added he'd been throwing quality pitches with those tonight he didn't he just left a couple out over the plate you know he had some bad luck with the inside out ball that Bogart's hit because Bogart's living in a tree right now but it's you know, it's the secondary pitches that he's sort of fallen in love with. You give Trent Thornton credit. He's eliminated the windup. He's only a stretch guy now. He's tried to have a little bit better finish. But I guess if you want to pick at it and you think that it would be better to bring Richards in in the sixth inning instead of Trent Thornton, I guess you could say that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just you know, sometimes it's just not going to work out. You know, this is two nights in a row that it hasn't worked out for the Blue Jays. Uh, there's no second guessing, I don't think. Uh, bringing in Jimmy Garcia when they brought him in last night. I think we all would have done that. That just didn't work out. Uh, they ended up out hitting his 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 pitching, if you want. And I don't know. I didn't really. I Listen, here's the thing. In a couple of days, the Jays are going to have to make a decision about some of their pitchers. Now, we know that Nate Pearson is not ready yet, but and and I haven't heard what the Jays' plans are for Nate Pearson. If he's ready to go, I would think, Kevin, you'd want to send him to AAA to 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 let him have a couple outings, I, I don't know, but it's pretty clear that whenever he's ready, they're gonna be they're gonna bring him up here pronto as soon as they can. So I don't mind this that much. In that, if Trent Thornton is gonna hang around, he's gonna have to give me two innings, and I get what you say, but if he's gonna be here. Damn it, he's going to have to give me a couple innings against good teams. I can't just save him for the bullcrap teams. With Ross Stripling in the rotation, my only multi-inning reliever has to be a guy I can rely on. So I I, I didn't have a problem with it. I'm not saying that the Jays would throw a game away, but I think it was kind of a test. This was kind of a test to see what Trent Thornton can give him. And I'm sure this has been filed away. 
And I would think if this situation arises in the next couple of days, you may see them go elsewhere. Trevor Richards, I, I mean, I'm looking at putting Trevor Richards in in the sixth inning. You know, and I, and I say this not knowing who is down or who they wanted to stay away from today or anything. Um, I don't know. I almost got the sense in some ways the Jays were, I wouldn't say managing with a shorthanded bullpen, but I get the sense there were a couple of guys they wanted to stay away from today and that, that kind of. Uh, that kind of forced their hand with Trent Thornton. But I do see your point. Perhaps, especially given the way Bogarts is hitting, knowing who Devers is and with J.D. Martinez, or perhaps I would have gone with Trevor Richards in that time. And then if, then maybe Trevor Richards gives me an inning and a third or an inning or two-third or something like that. It's just odd how quickly they got Trevor Richards up. When, whenever Trent Thornton started That's losing the point. command of the breaking ball, how That's... quickly Richards got up, you just wonder – if, if they would have had it to do over with, that they would have just started Trevor Richards in the meat of the order. And then if you wanted to, and it's still in a tie game, and you had to use Trent Thornton, at least you're using him to the bottom of the order. And maybe you can get some expanding. He doesn't have to throw the secondary pitches for quality strikes the way he would have to to the three, four, five hitters. But, again, you're not going to win too many games, even at home, scoring one run against the Red Sox. You're just not going to do it. Uh, let's talk about Ross Stripling tonight. Um, seven strikeouts. That's more than he's had in his previous outings this year combined. Looked awfully good. Again, that's a that's a pretty good lineup. We know that he's been part of the the plan was to have him pitch as part of a six man rotation. That's gone out the window with Hyunjin Ryu's injury. Uh, if there's a takeaway from this game tonight, Kevin, it is again that uh, four fifths of this rotation is pretty dependable right now and i gotta tell you i'm a little surprised that we're able to say that at this point i had my suspicions about kikuchi i think that'll get righted i'm hoping it gets righted ryu i just don't know about i'm getting more from stripling than i thought i would i have been really impressed by what he has done in this role Ross is a smart guy. Uh, for me, the w- one big thing that stands out is he's finally found s- something mechanically that he can repeat. It- it's real simple. Uh, where he starts his glove, he adds, he's added a little deception by, if you've noticed, they, they have a real tough time now picking the ball up. And that not tipping pitches is almost like him adding the pitch. We've talked to him on our show. I've heard mm-hmm. him talk to other people. Uh, it, whenever he, you know, was bringing the, the glove above the bill of the cap with a breaking ball, he was, he was leaving it below the bill of the cap for the fastball. They were all over his fastball. They were hammering that like crazy. They were hitting home runs off of it. That's almost like, Adding a new pitch by you know eliminating that, and now he can he can you know attack people, and you can tell the the fastball's getting on those guys, even to good hitters. Uh, for me, he's got. Uh, I didn't realize this until I actually watched tonight. He's added that slider three different ways. I, I saw it twelve to six. I saw a one to seven. Now you got to imagine that one on the clock. That one to seven. Once he's trying to throw that for a swing and miss, he's trying to get you to chase it, and then he's got one that looks like a little cutter. And I didn't realize that until I actually watched him tonight. And you could tell he was actually trying to to do that to a slider three different ways. That's kind of nice. And then you add the changeup, and all of a sudden his misses with the elevated fastball is even that much better. So accumulation of all of those things, and on top of it, he's throwing with conviction. You could tell in that one time where – 
Heineman wanted to come out there, and he was forcefully like, get back there. I'm on a roll here. You know, even Joe Siddle said that during the game, that you could tell that he was on a roll. He's in a rhythm. He wanted to get the ball and throw it again, and that just would tell you that he's real comfortable about everything he's trying to do. It starts with his mechanics, and when you're comfortable like that, you're throwing everything with conviction. I'm with you. I'm okay with Ross. Every time he goes out there now, I think he's going to give them a chance to win, and that's a pretty good feeling. I'm sure Petey feels good about that, and I know Charlie feels good about that. Honest to God, right now, I'd rather have him than Hyunjin Ryu. That's a good call. Me too. I know what I feel I'm, I'm going to get. I know what I'm going to get. Give now, you a chance. Yeah, now, now, I will, saying that, knowing that Hyunjin Ryu has a forearm issue and Maybe that was bothering him at the start of the year. I don't know. Uh, but I have been, I'll tell you what, I'm more comfortable with Ross Stripling right now than I was with Hyunjin Ryu for part of last year. The year before, he finished in the top three in the Cy Young voting. But certainly more comfortable with Ross Stripling now than I was with Hyunjin Ryu at points last year. And definitely way more comfortable with Ross Stripling now than I was with the Hyunjin Ryu that, that we saw early in the year. But again, he's hurt. Um, and, and, and let's see what happens when he comes back. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. Any issue with the use of Trent Thornton tonight? What about the runners in scoring position issue? Again, we talked about that with the Jays 0 for 6 tonight. Third from the bottom in the league in runners in scoring position. And this is a really... This whole start to the season is really wacky in terms of, of baseball offense. That you can look at the Jays' numbers and pick their numbers apart, but they're apart, but their weight, uh, their weighted runs created plus. It's it's not bad. So there are, are a lot of ways to poke through the embers of this game tonight. But but clearly, runners in scoring position is an issue. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. strikes out with two on. Um, that that to me was the one at bat that really that really stood out today. Not to take anything away from Lourdes, but that was a that was a key at bat for me. Um, and yeah, other than that, there wasn't there wasn't a whole hell of a lot there wasn't a whole hell of a lot going on. I suppose four one six eight eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. Justin and Hamilton, you're on Blue Jays talk. What's up, Justin? Honestly, I don't have too much to say other than the fact that um, we've uh, we've seen a, a fantastic team. Um, got we've gotten on the the right side of a few uh, close games. Um, I think tonight was was nothing more than uh, a letdown game. Um, spot with right after the home opener um, came out with a, a fantastic performance um, and and ended up winning the next game. Um, not not their best showing. Um, I think I think we have no worry, no issues in terms of uh, of the team, and I think we're going to have a great season thus far. So, I mean, it is what it is. We, you know, we're due for a stinker, um, but this team is super exciting to watch every night. Yeah, and I and and I, and I think that you know we we have to stress this point as well, uh, Justin. That again, Michael Waka, he he can do this to teams. You know, this is this is this is his mo, and I guess what kind of would kind of frustrate me, Kevin, is we know that the Red Sox bullpen is a mess right now because Tanner Houck couldn't cross the border due to COVID-19 restrictions. As a result, Garrett Whitlock is making the start tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. 
you would have to think if Tanner Houck was with this team and starting tomorrow, we would have seen Garrett Whitlock maybe twice out of these first three games. And that would certainly have improved the, the Red Sox chances out of the bullpen. So that the fact that you were able to beat the Red Sox in game started by Uvalde, you were able to beat them in a game started by Pavetta, you were able to keep them close in a game started by Stripling. The Red Sox had to burn through their bullpen last night. I just kind of thought that this was positioned to t- this. This was the game where you're going to be able to take advantage of not having Garrett Whit- Whitlock in the bullpen. The, I'm, as I'm I looked you. at this series, I thought, okay, this is the game where that absence will make a difference. I'm with you and Justin. Justin, that's a great call by him. But I will say this. I am a little uh, perplexed, I would say, about the, the expanding and the Big Daddy hacks. We see how many of those. You could count them. Like, there's so many of them that it's obvious that how much over-swinging this lineup does. It's a pretty good lineup. Like, they, they can do some things. You know, one through five is still pretty good, I, even without Teoscar Hernandez in there. And you add Matt Chapman to the mix when he's hot. That's that's a pretty hard lineup to work through. But you're still seeing uh, they're, they're 80 at-bats into this thing. Like, it's they're, they're not 40 at-bats in. 80 at-bats is quite a bit. And I, I will give a little credit to the pitchers. They pitch backwards a lot. They throw a lot of secondary pitches. The elevated fastball, you could tell, is giving these right-handed hitters a little bit of an issue. But the expanding and the big daddy hacks, that for me, especially with runners in scoring position, that's one of the things. We watch Bogarts hit. How that little nice, short, easy approach, he stays inside the baseball. He thinks right center. He hunts the heater. That sounds to me like that's as simplifying it as you can possibly get. Name a Blue Jay hitter that does that. George Springer, maybe? I, that that would be probably the only guy. Right now, you can tell Bo's expanding. He's overswinging. Now, tonight, Bo's finishes looked a lot better. I talk about that a lot, where he mm-hmm. falls across the plate. You could tell after the game and today early, he's been working on that because his finishes were a little bit better. But you're still seeing the expanding, the big daddy hacks, like those big giant hacks a lot of the times those are wasted swings like you need you because you get long you have to create create that from somewhere and usually that's from behind your swing and then what's your barrel do it's playing catch up and it's out and around and you either miss the ball or you foul it off you're late on pitches which is exactly what these guys are i i think if you're if you walk up and ask guillermo martinez or you ask john snyder or you ask charlie montoyo they're thinking the things that i just mentioned here the expanding and and the big giant hack and, and the game plans that you can question because they are late on fastballs a lot early in counts, which might tell you that they're guessing, that for me has to get a little bit, little bit better each day. Now, they may not always get hits, but at least you can actually see it that they're trying to make adjustments, and I, and I think that needs to happen sooner than later. The numbers to call are 416-870-0590-888-666-0590. Star 590, the Red Sox beating the Blue Jays 7-1 at the Rogers Center tonight. Game four of the series, a 3.07 first pitch tomorrow. Alec Manoa against Garrett Whitlock. We will step away and be back in a minute. This is Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. A 2-2. Swing and a miss. Got him with a fastball. Ross Stripling escaping the bases loaded jam. A pair of back-to-back strikeouts in the third inning. Yeah, Ross Stripling certainly did his part 
tonight. I don't think there's any there's any doubt about that. As uh, the Blue Jays fell seven to one to the Boston Red Sox. Kevin Barker, Jeff Blair, Blue Jays talk on uh, Sportsnet five ninety. The fan. The numbers are four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety. Star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. 307 is the first pitch tomorrow. Garrett Whitlock on the mound against Alec Manoa. Kevin, the Red Sox haven't hit a lot of home runs this year. They are scuffling offensively. Doesn't that make what Xander Bogarts has done? I believe he leads the majors in hits now. Close he to does, it. Yeah. yeah, he does. Doesn't that make what he is doing even more remarkable right now? Alexander Bogart's a great hitter. You can say you can spin it any way you want to spin it. Uh, the guy's got a little bit for every pitcher. Uh, he can let the ball travel, go the other way with two strikes. He can hit a breaking ball. He can lay off a strike-to-ball breaking ball, which is the big thing in 2022. Uh, he can hit velocity the other way. He can get the head out on velocity. Uh, we've seen, you know, he can hit a really tough right-hander. He can take his walks when he has to. Uh, he's going to hit 30 homers. He'll probably hit 300, and he'll drive in close to 100 runs. For a shortstop to do that as many times as he's going to do it in his career. And with, I'll be honest with you, with, with Trevor Story's arm, and I know the, the talk around Red Sox land is we've had people on our, on our show that have said that Alexander Bogarts is going to opt out at the end of the year. How, if you're uh, in the front office with the Red Sox and you've seen Trevor Story throw from second, how would you let that happen? There's no way you can let that happen. What he brings offensively and the leadership that he brings you defensively, I mean, for the most part, balls hit right at him. He's going to make those plays side to side. He, you know, he'll occasionally throw a ball away or he won't get to a ball. But for the most part, he's a really, he's a really good defender. And offensively, he can carry your team for a week. I, you know, I think he's one of those shortstops that, for whatever reason, we don't give enough credit to. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'm with you. Look, we've talked about it on our show. We've talked about it a great deal. Uh, I, I, just, I think he's, I think he's one of the, I think he's one of the best hitters in baseball. I, I think he's a terrific, a terrific player. And I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I don't understand. I don't understand if you're the Red Sox, how you can't be looking to lock this guy and frankly Devers up at the same time. If I get those two guys, now I understand that there's some defensive issues with Devers. Moving to first base, I know you've got a prospect. Your your best prospect is a first baseman. You got to find a way to keep Devers and Bogarts in the team. As, as long as I have those two guys working in the middle of the order, I mean, I'm I'm going to be a force in the American League East. What is the Blue Jays always have. looking for? They're looking for that big time left handed bat who's as good as the other right handed bats that they have in their lineup. Yes, they don't come around every day, and when they're young, they're gonna. It's going to cost you. You know, Devers is probably the left-handed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. when it comes to bat the ball skills and plate coverage and just, uh, you know, the things he can do offensively, the bat speed and, and the home runs that he can hit. And he's still learning as a hitter. He's he's still trying to figure out ways to limit uh, struggles, limit how, ma- how many, you know, times he can get out and, and do better when it comes to just controlling everything that, that you have to control to be an everyday player. I'm with you. If you sign him to a big-time deal, the easiest thing would 
B is just a moving first base. Are you married to Dahlback? Probably not. Offensively, what's he showing? He's an all or nothing no, kind of guy their, right their, now. Their, their top prospect, though, is a first baseman, too, is Cassis. Is he not a first baseman? Well, you know what you got in Devers? I, I know what I got. Uh, that's the a prospect's is prospect. Like yeah, when things are right in front of you, and you already know what you got, and you know if if you know push comes to shove in a couple of years, that you got to move a guy around to keep him. I don't want to say happy, but keep him to where he, you're going to get the best from him on a consistent I mean, basis. Listen, I think, I, I, think easiest, I, I think the easiest thing, frankly, is you know, with all due respect to JD Martinez, if 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 I need to kind of have that that open spot in the lineup i'm i'm moving jd martinez or i'm letting jd martinez go and if i've got devers and this other kid i'm i'm you know i'm working them through first base dh getting their both of their bats in the lineup and and i my sense is that's probably what the red Sox will do that's probably their long-range plan but yeah you got to be careful you don't piss off xander bogarts right now you just brought this other guy in trevor's story you've given him a great whack of money he plays bogarts position and i yeah i i don't know i i it it amazes me when a team like the red sox lets a player like bogarts lets it get to this to this this stage uh, when it comes to contract uh and now the bet 365 standings update just download the app and see for yourself why bet 365 is the world's favorite sports book. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. With the loss tonight, the Blue Jays are half a game back of the New York Yankees. Yankees have won five in a row. Tampa Bay is two back of the Yankees. They're 10 and 8. The Jays are 12 and 7. Boston, 8 and 11. The Baltimore Orioles, 6 and 12. And again, this series wraps up tomorrow with the 307 first pitch. We will be on the air with a special pregame edition of Blair and Barker from 2 to 3 Eastern. We'll take you right up to the first pitch with Ben Wagner. And then Blue Jays talk will be on immediately following the conclusion of that game right up until our Raptors pregame show. So a busy day tomorrow on Sportsnet 590. The fan, a little baseball, and of course the Raptors looking to extend their series against the Philadelphia 76ers. We've spent a lot of time over the past few days talking about Bo, picking through the embers of, of Bo Bichette. We had a great talk today, Kevin, with Bill Ripken about Bo Bichette and the the whole notion of how do you how do you help a guy who plays every day, get out of a funk? How, how do you help a guy who works as hard as Bo does, puts in all the time, all, all that all that good stuff? And it was interesting, Bill, talking about Cal, when Cal was on that streak. He said Cal, some, sometimes he thought Cal would fool around with his stance just because he got bored because there was... There was, there was nothing else going on. The reason I bring Bichette up is, and I, I, I kind of thought we'd get a comment about this at some, point, at some point. Ian Bridger on Twitter reaches out and says, Guys, and you probably know where this is going, if Santiago Espinal continues to hit like this, is there any thought in your mind, any thought in your mind of moving him up into the number two spot? And I presume, by extension, you would mean moving Bo Bichette down maybe Maybe behind Vladdy into the cleanup spot. Just a I, thought. I, I don't 
Look, I love Santiago Espinal. I love what he's done this year. I don't know about making that move right now, Kevin, because to me, that smacks of a bit of panic. And it's not like I've lost seven in a row in Bo Scufflin. Yeah, my fa- my first reaction to that is no. Like you got to ask who you would want up in the first inning, uh, Bo or Santiago Espinal, or who you'd want up in the ninth inning with two outs because you've seen it it would be Bo rolling around or Vladdy rolling around come up to the ninth inning. Who do you want to have that extra at bat? When it push comes to shove at the end of the season, it will end up being Bo. Bo will figure things out that Bo needs to figure out offensively. He's pressing, trying to do too much. He hasn't had the leg kick in over a year. Like the the all of a sudden he just didn't wake up out of spring training and go, "Uh oh, I'm late and I and I'm having trouble with my hip rotation and I'm not getting the barrel out in front of the plate enough." That was happening last year too. That's why you were seeing him even last year using two strike approaches. Oh, oh, for me he'll figure that out. It's just one of those things throughout the season because it looks the way it looks and the rest of the team is struggling when it matters the most with runners in scoring position. You sort of spotlight the one guy that is coming up a lot of the times when it matters the most, like Bo came up twice tonight and, you know, he expands and he does take those big giant big daddy hacks, which a lot of the times really doesn't get him anywhere. So I, I would say quick answer the answer to that is no. But I will say this, when Teoscar gets back, I would be having a serious conversation with Blatty. Now, we all know that Blatty doesn't like hitting second. He feels rushed. But I would have a serious conversation of moving everybody else, putting Teoscar in the three spot, putting Blatty in the two spot, and putting Bo in the cleanup spot. And now, all of a sudden, I just think everybody else would sort of exhale, fall into place. Bo could use his two-strike approach you know, sort of getting in the flow a little bit more uh, of hitting with, you know, some more traffic on the bases. For me, anyway, that looks like a little bit better lineup. Yeah, and Kevin, isn't it isn't it kind of an easier sell to players when a guy is coming back into the lineup? In other words, with Teoscar coming back, isn't it a chance for Charlie to – to go to the team or to talk to the players and say, look, love what you guys did with Teoscar out. We kept our, you know, we kept our, our head, more than kept our heads above water, 12 and 7, more than kept our heads above water when Teoscar's out. And I'll, and I'll say this right now. We do not know when is going to come back. There was some suggestion it might be against the Guardians. Some suggestion it might be against the Guardians. So that would be towards the end of, uh, towards the end of next week. The, the Astros are in town this weekend, then the Yankees. Then the then then they play the Guardians, but wouldn't it be an easier sell to? Because it seems to me the guy you got to sell, and this is Guerrero. I'm willing to bet Bobichet. You could tell Bowie's hitting cleanup tomorrow morning. He'd be fine with it. I'm willing to bet that the guy that needs to be sold on this is Guerrero. And isn't it a little easier to do? Say, look, Vladdy, Teoscar's back. The lineup's looking better now. The lineup's whole. We want to get you that extra at bat, and and the- and. Like you, you played in the, you, you, you played in the game. Guys have to be sold on things, even in the day and age of analytics. You still have to sell guys on stuff. You talk about it all the time. What does a manager have to do? Manager has to communicate. 
Mm-hmm. And I think this is a situation where you may have to make that sales pitch, Kevin. The That's issue just my for me, feeling. The issue for me is that I, they've already tried to do that. They tried to do that in spring training. They gave them all the numbers saying you're going to get 18 to 20 more at-bats, which would give us you know, a better opportunity to win a couple more games, which is the reason why they thought last year you know, you missed the playoffs by a game. You got Vladdy up 19 or 20 more at-bats. Maybe he runs into three or four more homers, and they win a couple more games. That's the whole point in hitting them in the two spot. Obviously, it didn't work. He, he's looking at them like they had four heads, and he mm. just doesn't like buying into hitting second. He thinks he, he feels rushed. I think that's silly, me personally. I, but, again, he's your best hitter. You want him happy. Yeah, he's the you big want him dog, no doubt. He sure is. So you want that feeling comfortable. I just don't know if that's a, a selling point or not. I just don't think that's going to happen. So you would have to move other people around, and right now, you know, it again. I don't know if uh, Bo, how Bo would look at that if you all of a sudden showed up one day and had a conversation with him in a in a clubhouse about moving him down. I don't, I don't know how he would take that because yeah, but struggling. you're moving a, you're moving a, it's it's like we're, it's not like you're moving him down to seventh or eighth. You're moving him to the cleanup spot. You're moving him to a spot where he did. I mean, he did serious damage out of the cleanup spot last year. And uh, we're on the same page. I think. Look, I I prefer Bo as a cleanup hitter. I just do. I prefer Bo, Bo as a cleanup hitter in this team. Marcus Simeon was here last year, too. He was hitting 40. He was dropping Fair 40 point. big ones. Fair point. Hitting second and hitting leadoff. Right. The, the, it was a little different with George Springer not in the lineup, so they could move around the lineup just because they could sell it that way. We don't have our best leadoff hitter in the game of baseball leading off for us, so we're going to have to mix things around a little bit. It just looked better if you were down here and Bo's like, yeah, I'll do that because I'm red hot and I'm feeling frisky and I'll go wherever you want me to go. That, for me, right now, today, or tomorrow, or the next day, might be a little tougher sell. Let me make a bit of a controversial statement here. Because we know at some point this roster is... There are going to be some changes. At some point, the rosters are going to shrink. I know we've only seen a little bit of of, of, of Ghost Gay Cato. I, I know. And got his first hit tonight. Kevin... I think he might be more valuable to this team. I know this is going to probably send some cars off the gardener. I think he may be more valuable to this team the way it's constructed right now than Kevin Biggio. I second that. I do. I, for me, when you when you look realistically and look at big picture, what guys can do at the bottom of the order, you feel confident, confident at the plate with Kevin Biggio that he could get a runner over from second base? I don't. Ghostkay Coteau, the way he can handle the bat, and he's got a pretty good plan when he walks to the plate. He's one of those guys mm-hmm. that the manager doesn't have to go, hey, bunt here. He already knows before he, <laughs> when he walks to the plate that he yeah. needs to bunt. He knows the situation. You can tell he just gets the game, and I'm with you a little bit. Is he is he going to carry your team for a couple days? No, absolutely not. No, but neither, not. neither, frankly, look. Neither's Cavan Bishop. We all love Cavan, but he's not carrying your team. I mean, no. we all we all love him, and and as I said, if there if there is a guy in this team that I would love for the baseball gods to suddenly come down top in his head and say you're going to be your father and you're going to have that type of career, it would be Kevin Biggio because he's everything you want in a professional athlete, all that good stuff. But I'm looking at what this team does right now, and I'm looking at what what a possible bench of Tapia Cato bring to me, bring for me compared to a bench with Biggio on it. I just don't think it's. I, I think 
I, I think it's a conversation worth having. Look, look at I, it this I really way. Do. Ghost K, the way he handles himself on the field would make it a little easier if somebody came a calling and said, package this guy with Kevin Biggio to get this guy. I think that would make it a little easier. They'd be okay with that. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's uh, somebody somebody uh, DM'd me the other day for Barker's back leg bits. I was going to use it today, but he didn't get around to using it. And the point that the person was making was all this talk about how close this team is, how much fun they have, how much they love each other, all the kumbaya, the hugging and all that. His point was, doesn't wouldn't that make it hard to trade somebody like a Guriel or a Biggio? And we know that the Jays consider Biggio to be sort of part of that 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 leadership group where they have in the past. But Kevin, I I almost get the sense this team is passing Kevin by. You know, I, I I really do. It's like the game doesn't wait for you. The game doesn't wait for you, right? It's not going to stand around away for you. You got to keep pace with it. And I just get the sense that that this team's kind of passed him by. As much Guriel, as I hate saying it. Guriel, if I'm the GM, I'm not trading Guriel. No, if, I, if I got a chance to get to get something else that I want I'm or I you. need an extra bullpen arm, a guy that can give you swing and this stuff, and they want Kevin Biggio, I'm giving Kevin Biggio yeah. up. Anything offensively that Kevin Biggio has done early in the season before he went on the COVID IL would tell you that he's made adjustments and he can catch up to velocity. No. For guys that don't play every single day, that's the one thing you hone in on is what they're doing mechanically at the plate. Can they sit over there for a day and a half, come off the bench, and catch up to velocity? Nothing that Kevin Biggio has done in the offseason. I love Kevin Biggio, too. He's a great person. He's been on our show more than one time. I'm a huge fan of his. But when you're in an organization and you're on a team like the Blue Jays are who are trying to win a World Series, you take the best 27 guys or 26 guys or 25 guys, and right now – Right now, today, there's better options than Kevin Biggio. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I'm with you on Gurriel. The only way I would have ever enter, entertained moving Gurriel would have been for a guy like Jose Ramirez. That's not happening. I want Lourdes Gurriel here. I love what he adds to this lineup. And, um, yeah, it's, I, it's gonna be, there's going to have to be some decisions made in the next couple of days when the roster shrink. And the, the focus will be on the pitching decisions initially. And then, you know, then the catching situation needs to be straightened out. Although I think... I think the players will probably decide that for you, but I'm just saying I love I love the stuff that Ghost Kato brings me, and and I, and I like the the subtleties to his game that uh, that he brings me. Kevin, thanks for doing this. Blair and Barker tomorrow from two to three. We will be your Blue Jays post game. We will be around after the game for Blue Jays talk. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side baseball fans.